Summer is here, my friends. The sunscreen and shorts are here to stay. I am excited to start hanging out at our local pool again. And I know this is a time of year where many households are transitioning from school schedules to summer schedules. We are together a lot more. The days are longer. I also know that this time of year, a lot of parents start to feel some pressure about what they are doing with their summer. Maybe that's not you, maybe it is, but we worry about the summer slide, about how to keep our kids entertained every day. I think especially with the last year being so unusual and so difficult in a lot of ways, we want to feel like we are providing our kids with what they need so they are not, quote, behind. So I feel like this time of year is the perfect time to refocus our minds on play and all of the good and important things that come from it. I decided that for June, that is going to be sort of our theme here on Happy Outdoor Families. I can't wait to jump into this with you today and for the next several weeks. We are going to break down some of the things that happen in play that are essential and have some great guests that are doing the coolest work in promoting outdoor play for kids and families. For today's episode, we are kicking off the month by defining exactly what play is and why it should remain a priority. Listen in. Welcome to Happy Outdoor Families, the podcast that encourages and equips families to spend more time exploring and playing together outside. I'm your host, Emily Eisenbarger, And I hope that as you listen in each week, you will feel inspired and excited about reconnecting your kids and yourselves with the outdoors. Each Monday, I will be bringing you a grown-up episode featuring conversations about all things outdoor play and adventure related. Every Wednesday, make sure you tune in for an episode just for the kids to listen to with their grown-ups, where I will bring you a simple play invitation to get you started with some fun, open-ended outdoor play. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I am excited to focus in on play this month. And while I feel like play is really a piece of many conversations about spending time outside, it is its own thing. There are lots of ways to be outside that aren't play and endless ways that are. And of course, play happens inside too. So I think it is valuable to pause for a minute and zoom in to define what I actually mean when I say play. And then from there, talk about all of the amazing ways that play can be cultivated outside in the coming weeks. I am really excited for you to hear some of the information that I'm going to share about play and about brain development, and for you to hear from some really fabulous guests. June is going to be an awesome month. So again, Let's start with a definition. I looked at the ways that play researchers have defined the word, and this is the definition that I've come to. Play is activity that is freely chosen, intrinsically motivated, done for recreational enjoyment, and that actively engages the player. So freely chosen can mean an activity that a child came up with entirely on their own. Freely chosen can also look like a parent getting out a game or a toy and a child agreeing to play in a particular way. 
they are still choosing to engage as opposed to being assigned a task. Play is intrinsically motivated, meaning that your child is playing for the joy of playing, not for any external reward. Play is activity that brings enjoyment or pleasure and where a child is actively engaged. So why do we even have to talk about this or define it? Is there anything that comes more naturally to a child than playing? Play is how they experience the world, how they learn, how they make sense of things and process their thoughts and feelings. Unfortunately, for myriad reasons, many children aren't getting enough play, and the amount of time allotted for free play has been markedly reduced over the last several decades. For many families and schools, play has dropped down the list of priorities, making way for more academic pursuits, sports, dance, or other organized activities at younger and younger ages. And I am not here to criticize any of those things or argue against their value because I believe that those activities do have great value. But rather, I want to convince you that pure, free play is so valuable that we can't let it get booted off the list. And in fact, if needed, we need to be willing to reduce the amount of time allotted to other things in order to ensure that our kids are getting enough play. Free play is also being lost to passive forms of entertainment, such as TV watching or consuming of other content on tablets, phones, and other devices. This is not to vilify screens, but to simply point out another factor that is reducing free, child-driven play in our culture. So we've established what play is. Self-chosen, intrinsically motivated, actively engaging activities. We've thought about some of the reasons why playtime is diminishing for our kids. Let's talk a little bit more about why we should care. Why we don't want free play to disappear from our lives. It is, in fact, for these same reasons that we think we need to prioritize academics and organized recreation from an earlier age. Play is essential to the cognitive, physical, social, and emotional development of our children. Play is so important to optimal child development that it has been recognized by the United Nations High Commission for Human Rights as a right of every child. Play allows children to use their creativity while developing their imagination, dexterity, and physical, cognitive, and emotional strength. Play allows children to create and explore a world that they can master. They can conquer fears and practice new roles. It's during play that children practice new skills, they experiment with language, and engage in critical thinking and problem-solving. Specifically, child-driven free play provides opportunities to practice decision-making skills, move at their own pace, share, negotiate, resolve conflicts, discover their own areas of interest. In fact, if we want our children to succeed academically, socially, in their emotional well-being, the best thing that we can give to them is time and space for active free play. Protect it, nurture it, show that you value it by being present for it and modeling it. Choosing activities for yourself, purely for your own enjoyment. 
play with your kids, but also play for yourself. Play is also essential to our children's physical development. Play that engages the whole body helps our children develop their coordination, balance, fine and gross motor skills. Suffice it to say, free play is the complete opposite of wasted time for our kids. So as you are planning out your summer, go ahead and sign up for that summer sports team. Try out a day camp, have a reading schedule, but just don't forget to set aside time to engage in simple, unstructured, unorganized play. And please definitely feel no guilt for having open schedules, for having time for your children to explore and have to entertain themselves. For a parent, play is also an opportunity for connection. It's my belief that there is no better context in which a parent can strengthen their relationship with their child than during play. I don't mean to say that you need to be the type of parent who is always down on the ground playing along. What children are really interested in is your presence and knowing that you see them and value them. And sure, that can look like playing a character in an imaginary world, but it can also look like actively watching from the sidelines and giving a smile when your child looks your way. It can look like parallel talk, which is essentially describing out loud what your child is doing, which may sound funny at first, But this is an especially wonderful way to connect to our youngest children. Think about the way that you talk to babies. Oh, you found your toes. Look at you holding your spoon. I see you coloring on the page. These are examples of parallel talk, not asking questions, not making suggestions or assigning meaning, just noticing and describing. Try this out with your kids. If they're a little older, they might be confused at first, but most kids actually really like this. It is evidence that they are seen and that they have your attention in that moment. Oh, I noticed that you made a pattern with those beads. Or you are swinging really high on that swing. You are using sticks to build a bridge. As you do this, you might be invited into their play or you might not be. You might get more of an elaboration from your kids or they might just smile and see that you notice. In any case, try your best not to control your child's play or lead them to do something else that you think would be better. If there's something you're hoping they'll try, you could try playing next to them and model it and they might jump in and they might not, but I challenge you to trust your kids in their play. Trust the process and trust that being present for it in whatever way feels right to you will help to strengthen that relationship that you have with your child. Now, I haven't even talked about the outdoors in this episode yet. Play is, of course, not exclusive to outdoor spaces, and there are many fabulous ways to play inside. But let me suggest just a few ways that I think Outdoor free play is the best kind of play. First, our kids can't bounce off the walls if there are no walls. 
Kids have a lot of energy. And for me, it is so much easier to handle that energy when we aren't confined to a playroom. I love giving my kids the space to be loud, to run, climb, jump, throw, all of those things that are a thousand times less stressful for me when we're outside and also a thousand times more available. Kids can move and experiment and take risks outside in ways that are not typically available to them inside. Second, nature provides all the supplies. There are so many fun ways to incorporate toys and games outside, but it's also very true that many outdoor spaces already have lots of loose parts and ways to play built in. If your kids aren't used to being taken outside or to the park and asked to just figure it out, you might get some pushback and some complaints of boredom, but stick with it. They'll figure it out. Invite friends along and let the kids come up with new ways to play together. I am also a big believer in the idea that we do not need to entertain our kids. That is not our job. But I also know how much kids can get on your nerves when they aren't succeeding at entertaining themselves, when they are whining and complaining and fighting. So I really believe that taking kids outside into spaces where play is welcome is a great way to set them up for success in finding their own ways to play. And that goes along with my third reason that outdoor free play is so great. And that is that nature is good for our relationships and it's good for our brains and our mood. And if you want more information on this, check out episode two, my top five reasons to spend time outside. And also episode 12 with Dr. Dina Eisenstark, where we talk about how nature strengthens families and what the research shows about families who go outside together. So now that we are all convinced that free unstructured play is valuable to our kids, let me offer just a few simple suggestions for making intentional space for free play this summer. First, put it on your schedule. Especially if you are a person who thrives on routine and schedules, don't resist that part of your personality. If your kids are in traditional school, they are also going to be really used to routine and schedules. So mark it down. 9 to 11 a.m., it's time to play outside or whatever block of time makes sense for you. Just like you would coordinate and schedule classes or sports practices or all the other things that you value, show that you value free play by putting it on the schedule. You know your children best and what might help get them going with their playtime. But let me give you a few suggestions of what you could do to help kickstart play, especially if you find that your children are struggling to know what to do with themselves. So think about if there are certain toys or materials that they love or use for extended periods of time. Can you have those in accessible places? Try having a few basic open-ended materials in your yard or in a bag that you can grab and go to the park with. Some of our most used play items outside include buckets, pots, sticks, rocks, vehicles, and animal toys, and dirt and sand. Having loose parts around that are easily available to your kids will help 
give them ideas and start to get those creative juices flowing. And maybe your kids would like a playmate besides you sometimes, and you could coordinate with a friend to meet at a park once a week. We actually do this with two other families. We meet in a park in an area that's just grass and trees, basically. And our kids do so well just feeding off of each other. And they come up with these really fabulous ways to play. And the bonus is that their play can continue week after week as we're meeting in the same spot with the same kids. So again, it's making it an intentional part of our routine and our schedule and finding ways to set it up so that our kids succeed. One other tip that I would offer, and this is a little bit more of a challenging one, at least for me, is that at the end of the day, do your best to make sure that your spaces are cleaned up. That goes for inside spaces as well as outside spaces. I know personally for me as a parent, I get so grouchy when things are a mess, either in our yard or in our playroom. And it's also really hard on our kids. I remember actually just this week, I spent a lot of time cleaning up our downstairs. It had gotten really chaotic. The kids' rooms were just a mess. And you know, um, over time, how kids just, they tend to collect a lot of little things and junk. And so their room just, it really needed a purging. So I got the downstairs so clean and then really wanted it to stay that way. And I noticed that now that it was so nice downstairs, my kids were playing downstairs 100% of the time. And I suggested to them, hey guys, why don't you go upstairs to the playroom? And I got pushback on that. Well, mom, it's messy up there. We don't want to play up there. And so our kids feel that too. They feel that stress of having a chaotic environment. And so when they can start with a clean slate, it makes it so much easier. Now, that doesn't mean that the burden of that should be on you as the parent. Your kids are going to vary in their ability to clean up after themselves based on their age, but give them tasks and you can do this together. At the end of the day, just make sure your spaces are clean and ready for the next day. And that will help so much. And of course, if your kids are immersed in some type of play, they've created some elaborate world for themselves in your yard, you can leave that and they'll be excited to come back to that the next day. But just make sure that you're not having to walk into chaos every day and then hope to create a, you know, a beautiful play experience out of that messy environment. And also, let me just say that I am sharing this advice for myself as much as anybody. It is easier said than done, and we're not perfect at this. But I do know that my days go so much more smoothly when we do get to start out with a clean space. And the play goes so much more smoothly when my kids can see everything. They know what their choices are. They're not overwhelmed by everything being everywhere. So when you can manage it, I really do think that this makes a difference. And also just to consider the stuff that you do have. Again, whether it's outside or inside, but obviously on this podcast, I think a lot about our outdoor spaces. You don't need a lot of stuff. I think that when kids have fewer choices, they actually tend to be more creative and they tend to enjoy those minimal things that they do have. It's also just so much easier to clean up and so much easier to manage 
when you are really intentional and selective about the things that take up space in your yard or in your playroom. I would also love to hear about what has been helpful for you and for your kids in kind of making free unstructured playtime successful. You could share those ideas in a review of the show, or if you're on Instagram, you can find me at Happy Outdoor Families. Send me your tips, send me your experiences. I would love to hear about that. I know that we all want the very best for our children. We want them to be healthy and well and successful. If you are a parent who has felt the pressure to have your child in all of the things, Consider the message that our kids might receive when we schedule out every hour of the week with carefully selected, structured activities, the types of activities we believe will set our kids up for some imagined form of success. Might they not begin to believe that in life, their goal is that marker of success to get into the best school, to get the best job, to be the best at X, Y, or Z. But what is the point of any of that really? Certainly, it isn't a bad thing to get into a great school or to be prepared for a job or to be successful in the ways that we would traditionally think about success. But why do we want that for our children ultimately? Is it not because we hope for their happiness? and security and their well-being? Do we hope that they will have joy? If that is part of what we hope for our children, then why not show them right now that we also value and prioritize joy and happiness, that we make time in our life for things that are purely for our enjoyment, that we embrace play, And the crazy secret is that free play is preparing our kids for all of the other things that we are made to worry about as parents. There's a temptation to want to take action. It's marketed to us in a hundred different ways to provide the best activity or class or product for our kids that gives them some edge. But maybe the action that you need to take is to create space. It isn't doing nothing. It is, in fact, an intentional thing to provide the time and the environment that promotes free, open-ended play. Do you embrace play for yourself? What do you make time for that is engaging and is purely for your own enjoyment? Don't think that the value of play is lost when you become an adult. Our play may look different now, but we still need it. Let me end by quoting Fred Rogers, who said that play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning. But for children, play is serious learning. Play is really the work of childhood. And that is the secret and the beautiful truth of it, that play is learning. Play is work in its most glorious form. May we celebrate that in our children and rediscover it in our own lives as well. I hope you have opportunities this week to play and to explore 
and wonder and create just for the joy of doing it. Thank you as always for taking the time to listen this week. I loved creating this episode. It's got me excited for summer and for more intentional play with my family. And I hope that it has you excited as well. If you need a little inspiration to get the play going, grab your kids and turn on Happy Outdoor Families again this Wednesday for our next playtime segment. As always, you can also find me over on Instagram at Happy Outdoor Families, where I try to share a little bit of what our family is doing as we are playing outside. And I would love to see what you're doing as well and to be able to share that. I can't wait to continue this conversation on play next week. We're gonna have a really fun guest who I think is going to inspire us all with even more great ideas of how we can play outside with our kids. So have a great week, enjoy your outdoor spaces, and I will see you next week.